Welcome, you're listening to the Granary Young Adults podcast, Unapologetic, a fortnightly podcast where we don't avoid hard conversations, we aim for them. In each episode, we talk about the contentious, taboo and uncomfortable, the topics that no one is speaking about, but everyone is talking about. If you don't want to be challenged, this is not the podcast for you. These aren't sermons or lectures, they're conversations to challenge and activate dialogue as we dig into what God wants to teach us. I'm Rachel Baker, the Young Adults Pastor at the Granary Church. Thanks for listening in, and we hope today's episode challenges and blesses you today. Today, we are continuing the conversation from our girls' night that we had earlier this month, where we were discussing women leading. Um, On the night, we had the opportunity to hear from Sue Irwin, Rosie Kendall, and Mel Adia on the topic, and it was a a great night, but it went for about two hours and we still didn't even have the chance to get through the majority of the questions. So what we wanted to do is continue that conversation. So I've asked Rosie Kendall to come back and walk through some of those questions with me. And thankfully, Rosie has agreed. So thanks for coming. Thank you, Rachel. Here I am. Pleasure to have you. For those of you that might not know Rosie, She's married to a lovely man, Dave, and they have three delightful daughters. They're members of the church, they serve at the granary, and they have a young adults connect group. So we love knowing that they're part of our community and they sow into our young adult um, ministry and that they offer their wisdom and friendship to all of us. So it's great to have her. Rosie is also the CEO of Christians Against Poverty. And I just wanted to know, Rosie, did you want to enlighten us on what that is, what that looks like, what your role is. Yeah, so I've been, um, I've been CEO at CAP for very nearly four years now, um, been at CAP a lot longer than that. And um, my role is, as I see it, I'm the um, central resource keeper for the organisation. So both in people and finance and responsible for uh, making sure that those resources are sowed into the right things for the mm. vision and mission that God has given us. Um, specifically on this topic, um, have been given the authority and responsibility of leading the organisation where we believe God wants it mm. to go. And um, that's a balance of um, leadership of people, leadership of resource, and ultimately um, a discernment from God on what um, the organisation is called to do. Yeah, amazing, which is great. And I know that so many people got a lot out of what you were sharing on our girls' night. So this is going to be great to unpack a few more of these. We might as well just jump into it. We thought we'd just sort of create, I guess, um, areas around uh, roles, theology and theory sort of to start because there were lots of questions that came through on a few of the different topics surrounding women leading. So for this first question, how do you view complementarianism? Mm, So it's a great question. Um, For those that might not be familiar with the terminology, complementarianism is looking at scripture as excluding women from leading, preaching and teaching in the church. The opposite perspective um, or interpretation is egalitarianism. So the view on complementarianism, it's before I sort of sort of give my even thought on it, something that I think I would encourage anybody to take time on this topic would be just giving it a bit of grace and patience when you're sort of considering it. I would argue that the majority of people with the viewpoint of complementarianism 
don't have that viewpoint because they want to, um, you know, downgrade women's roles or perpetuate a gender equality, but rather um, they've interpreted scripture and that's just where their discernment has led them. And I don't think that it's a I don't think it's a gospel issue. So I don't think it's something that um, determines whether or not we have received salvation or that we have a relationship with Christ. So I just think when dealing with this question, it's really good to sort of give both sides of the discussion just a fair chance to, um, yeah, to mm. discuss where they where they come at it from. Mm. I personally don't agree that Scripture excludes women from teaching, preaching, and leading in the church, but... Again, that's sort of just been uh, a bit of a journey for me to look through scripture and sort of read different texts on the context of, yeah, who were the people that the verses were sort of referencing or pertaining to at the time, what um, the culture was like. And yeah, I think I think I can fairly say that I believe that God has a calling on women um, and it can be in those roles. So that's where I come from on that perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks, Rachel. I mean, um, I think that it's super important and I really agree that um, it's okay for us to disagree mm-hmm. and we don't all have to have all the answers to everything. I think the important thing is that we're willing to grapple and we're willing to listen to different points of view. And yeah. for me personally, um, on reflection of when we were talking kind of around the edges on the night on this, um, I think when we're asked to do something, I think that's the time that it's our responsibility to really, like, is this something that God is calling me to do? Mm. And in my interpretation of scripture, is this something that I can, with all, all kind of integrity and authority, say this is something that I believe God's asking me to do yeah and um yeah we can do that with wise counsel but ultimately we will disagree and I think that that's okay yeah yeah great if for anybody that kind of would like to uh read on that topic a little bit more um there are so many different texts and I'd encourage you to read texts that differ from your opinion just as much as I'd encourage you to read texts that complement your views just so that you're getting a really good um cross cross section of both those arguments so Our next question, we sort of touched on this on the night, but uh, can a woman lead in a relationship? My boyfriend doesn't lead me and we are equals and it would feel weird to force it to be any other way if we got married. And Rosie, you sort of were sharing a little bit on the night. Um, I just wondered if you wanted to, yeah. Elaborate. Add to that. Yeah, so I'll quickly say what I think I said on the night, if my memory serves me right, of um, if Dave was here, so Dave's my husband, um, he is often um, quoted as saying um, I, he's had the challenge of how do I lead my wife when she's a better leader than I am. And I think for us this grapple of submission and leadership probably comes um, down to um, trust. It comes down to a what is leadership and what um, if leadership by definition is power, then that becomes quite difficult to submit to. But actually if leadership is seeing someone flourish, if leadership is discerning under God what mm. is um, the direction that things need to go, actually submission becomes super easy when you're being led by someone that you trust and um, someone that um, ultimately has your best interests at heart. And that doesn't mean that I don't lead at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, for me and Dave, our personal experience of this has been that ultimately we both lead each other, we both influence each other, but 
I have personally, I don't have an issue with submitting to him if I needed to, but at the same time he doesn't kind of um, force me to do things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I think it's the view and the lens point in which if we think that we need to submit and that means that we're going to have to be forced to do something we don't want to do, I think we've probably got a misconception of marriage or relationships or kind of how God intended that to be. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that point. I think um, particularly with this question, because it was framed from a boyfriend-girlfriend standpoint. So prior to marriage, I think something as you're preparing to find a partner that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, if that's something that you're struggling with, that idea of a, a husband that leads, I think I just sort of think it could highlight two things to consider. One would be, what's the concern? Um, like what is it that you don't want to hand over? And if it's a loss of control, because maybe there's there's not that level of trust that they're not going to take that position and abuse it or, um, yeah, um, hold it over you or, you know, have this sort of a power struggle, then I think I would probably sort of think seriously about if that's somebody that you should be investing that um, level of trust into because, it is a really important thing to take quite seriously is who you're going to hand over that level of trust to for the rest of your life. And I think, you know, we can use our worldview on things so easily and forget that God has a much bigger plan and picture than we could ever imagine. So sometimes giving excuses to sort of whittle down a message or a scripture that's in there, let's just say that's exactly how it was intended to be interpreted was just that the the man was, you know, had that position of leadership and that's a calling on his life and you hold back on that. I just think that's a, a shame for your husband to not be able to actually have that full um, ownership of calling that he has on, that it has been placed on his life. So you could look at it from that perspective as well as sort of it's you actually opening the door to letting your husband actually flourish as well um, in that sort of a position. So, and we sort of talked about that it's not a position of control and power, but of honour and protection. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that I would really encourage people to just grapple with why do I feel uncomfortable with that? Can I actually find the root of that? Can I find mm. why I might be uncomfortable submitting to anyone's leadership, but yeah. specifically for this question in a, a, a marriage or entering into a, a marriage? Um, yeah, trying to find what, why we might think that that's a problem. And I think it could be quite revealing. Third question. Now, there's we've got like part A through D because there were quite a few questions that came through that had sort of the same tone to them. Uh, the the overarching question: Can you unpack Ephesians five twenty three? So, talking about what does this mean for dynamics between men and women? Feels like it creates an order distance from Jesus. What's the role of a woman to lead spiritually in a relationship? What does the head of the household mean? How should we view Paul's writing regarding t the role of women? So all these ones about just sort of, yeah, what, what is this sort of uh, terminology around who leads, who's the head of the household, what the spirituality um, component is to that? And I think we touched on this quite a bit on the night, but I think what I would actually like to sort of return that back with is make sure that you're looking at the other texts because um, there's actually additional texts. It's not just Ephesians 5, 23 that talks about these things. 
Um, there's 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, 1 Timothy 2, 8 to 15, Colossians 3, 18 to 19, Titus 2, 3 to 5, 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7. So there's quite a few texts that actually all have the same um, sort of message relayed again and again. And I think the, th- the reason why I sort of point back to that is if it's in the Bible that many times, is pointing to the fact that we really do need to research and read about it. It's not just a one-off comment. It's a comment that keeps reappearing. So whether it's something that has to do with the cultural context or that it was just written for the people at that time or or what, I just sort of think it's really important that we give it the attention that it deserves when it's been written about that many times. But to do our research on it. And I just sort of would encourage you again to keep going back and reading commentaries on both sides of that sort of debate and topic. Yeah, and it's an excellent thing to try and grapple with friends as well in a small mm. group kind of context to um, read those pieces of scripture and say, well, what does this re- what does this mean for me in our context? What was it trying to say in the context of the day? Um, what was the social standing for women at the time? What was uh, what did marriage look like at the time? And then what are those things that we need to take? on board now because mm-hmm. they are there they're in the word of god we believe that the um the bible tells us things that can um, give us revelation for today so it's important that we look at it yeah and i think too like feeling empowered and knowing that you know jesus was radical and he was there putting women in positions that society at the time was saying they had no right to do. So I I just think don't look at it from the context of these are a list of the things that we're excluded from, but maybe who was it written for? And remember that we serve, you know, Jesus, we serve God who actually has a plan and a purpose for women. He's created us for those things. And so, um, yeah, so it wouldn't be his intention to um, pull us down, but actually to give us a position of authority and calling. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. The next set of questions that we can touch on, these ones probably have a little bit more to do with the corporate employment side of things. So Great. My you comfort might shed, zone. I was going to say, Rosie sheds the light here, we're, I think. We're, we're back in my um, zone. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be great to hear from Rosie on most of these. So our first question is, it's hard for women to get key decision-making or leadership roles. What do women wanting to enter these positions need to know and how did you get there? <clears throat> Yeah, so I think um, it's often something that I get asked. And interestingly enough, I think as women, we probably naturally feel like we need to have permission um, sometimes to move into leadership and are maybe less confident kind of moving towards opportunities. And so, I mean, my encouragement to anyone that feels like um, they recognise that they have a leadership gifting I would say that from my from my experience I've always been a natural leader it has not ever been something where I feel like "Mm, I wonder whether I'm a leader kind of given any kind of leadership void Mm. I've just some I've just filled it and that has been something that God has um, quite clearly um, put 
within my skill set and my abilities. And I think that's way more to do with um, my abilities than it is whether I'm a woman or a man. It's just who God has created me to be. But if you do recognise that you have leadership skills, then my encouragement would be to lead where you are. I Mm. think, um, again, something that we talked about on the night that we often see leadership as power or authority. And I can only lead if I've been put into that position. But leadership is way more about influence. We influence someone, whether we're having a conversation at a checkout or whether we're in a team environment in a workplace or in a small group at church. We have an ability to um, see people flourish. We have an ability to encourage. We have an ability to call out people's gifts and skills. And therefore, I would look at those places that you have opportunity to influence people. And how are you using that influence? Are you using it to pull people down? Are you using it to help people move closer to Jesus? or to do better in their work environment. And um, as you do that, I think that for me, my experience again has been that there's always just been one, another another opportunity has opened. Yeah. And so being faithful with the responsibility that we get given and then not being scared to say yes to the next opportunity. I think there is a call on all of us to when we follow Jesus to step out with bravery and courage. Mm. Yep. And therefore, I think it's, um, yeah, as we get asked, to do things, my encouragement for you would be to to say yes. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? And um, yeah, get the right support around you, but believe that you can do it. Yeah, I love that. Any tips for women leading males? We've got including leading up. Yeah, so uh, again, this is something we kind of touched on on the night and my personal experience has been I've never really noticed the difference between leading men and women. I think it can be really tempting to see the men and women as a some kind of obstacle that we've got to overcome. Um, but actually, I think that if we see everyone as an individual, if we recognise that, yes, there might be things that men are generally more like and women are generally... But kind of everyone's on this scale Mm. and different people have different skills and abilities and so leadership is always a kind of 360 degree thing we can we have people that we are responsible or accountable to that are maybe above us in an organization and there's also people that we're maybe responsible for or working with in a team environment and so I would encourage people to think about, well, what are my relationships like in that environment? Actually, um, for me, in my leadership position, um, I try and make sure that I'm treating kind of all of the people that I lead as equally as Mm. possible, giving them all as much encouragement as I can, calling out the good when I see it, challenging people when I see challenge. Um, I certainly think in a corporate environment, one of the things that people often have to overcome is just that women naturally have deeper friendships with women and men naturally have deeper relationships and friendships with men. And so that sometimes can be an obstacle in terms of when a promotion comes, um, often a boss will think about the people that they're also kind of friends with or naturally get on with. Yep. And so I think that that is a little bit of an obstacle both ways. If you've got a male um, boss and you're female or you're male and you've got a female. Um, but I think that if you can be aware of that and making sure that actually um, friendships in the workplace are being built up as well as um, kind of those work 
relationships and trying to not show favoritism in that Mm. then that can help yeah that's good and I like what you were saying about calling out or challenging people rather than just telling them no or or using your leadership as a position of bringing somebody down but I think a challenge is something that can actually build somebody up and and um, better somebody else so absolutely I love that sort of approach I think that's great What are some good ways to build experience and wisdom for leadership roles? This is something that I sort of had been thinking about just prior to taking my role at the granary. I worked in a corporate workplace that was male dominated. So the majority um, of the 70 or so staff were men. And I think that's what I kind of found interesting about some of these questions because that's for 20 years has been just the way I've seen corporate workplace structure. So for me, it actually has always been sort of a male-dominated workplace and I I think early on sort of took gender out of it because that was just the reality that I had to work with. So Mm. I think, like you were saying, I, I actually think you can remove that from the equation and look at what are ways to build experience regardless of whether or not you're male or female, um, one of the main things would be that there's no job too small. I think that speaks volumes about your character. If you can be trusted with something small, then just naturally as you do more and more of those smaller jobs, you're going to be able to be trusted with larger and larger projects or responsibilities. And I think also just knowing where you're at. I think something that I've seen frequently in the workplace are people that come in maybe just finishing they're schooling or training and they're very excited and passionate about what it is that they're going to start in on. But I think recognizing the fact that there are probably people that are in that um, organization that have been doing it longer. And just because they might disagree or not take on your ideas isn't saying that it's of no value, but they're actually offering you an opportunity to learn from them. And I think I'd say find somebody that is two, three steps ahead of where you are, where you want to be going to, and learn from them and listen to them, even when you might not like what they're saying. If you actually listen to them, there's a lot to be learned from, from yeah, aiming where you want to end up. So mm, Absolutely. And I think for me, in my leadership, I ask way more questions than I give answers. Yeah. And I think that wherever we find ourselves, um, whatever we might be leading or whether we're not leading yet but want to be, um, asking people questions and being a someone that positions yourself as a learner is really, mm. really important. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, I think that we can, we can make sure that we're ready for the next leadership um, role by making sure that we're being faithful with what we've got now. And I think sometimes we um, can be hesitant and think, oh, when I am given authority to lead, I'll lead, or when I get, mm. and we forget about the environment that we're in now. And I touched on that earlier, but I think, yeah, being faithful in the um, in the leadership or responsibility that you've been given and that when that next step comes, yeah, just taking that next appropriate opportunity yeah and often um I certainly for my own journey I mean if you'd have told me 10 years ago that I'd be the CEO of a national charity I would have I wouldn't have believed you yeah and I probably would have you know run for the hills <laughs> but each step along the way makes it less scary yeah that's good and you're equipped as you go rather than yeah. um, being handed something that totally you might not complete successfully if you hadn't done the legwork before. Mm. So, yeah, that's good. 
The next group of questions that I think we'll take a look at, we're calling personal development. Um, they fall somewhere in between sort of um, some of these other questions that we've had. But I think that, uh, again, they all sort of have an underlying theme behind them. So our first one, I'll kind of group in a few questions together because um, I think they're asking similar things. But how do you overcome doubt and feeling like your voice doesn't matter in relation to work? Or what do you do when you feel small or are made to feel small? Or do you have advice to stop behaviors some women have adopted that diminish their authority or power in their role? So over-apologizing or taking credit, um, not taking credit when it's due. Yeah, well, I'll start by answering that. I think it's a really valid question. Mm. And I think confidence um, is something not to be underplayed. I think it's a big factor if we feel confident or if we don't feel confident. And a lot of those um, questions would indicate that um, if we feel like that, we're not feeling like we're confident enough. Even though we might be skilled enough, we're not feeling confident enough mm. to, to do the job or the role that we've been asked to do. Personally speaking, I feel um, that for whatever reason, God has given me a ridiculous um, level of self-assurance and um, it has not ever been something that I've personally grappled with. Again, on my own reflection of the role that I play now, I often ask myself, I wonder whether I would be able to, I would have got to the position I am now if I didn't have that level of self-assurance. Yeah. And one of the roles that I think is important for me to play, and I I feel like it's um, a constant question that I ask is, is the environment that I am leading an environment in which women can succeed in leadership even if they don't have a strong self-assurance yep. kind of skill or ability? Okay. And I think that, one, there's a responsibility for leaders um, to create an environment in which women can do well when they maybe don't feel as self-confident. But I also think there's things that we can do um, to build our confidence. Mm. So who do we have around us to help us discern when Maybe it's a lack of confidence or maybe it's a lack of skill because yeah. there's a difference between the two. That's Sometimes good. we yeah. can feel, I mean, even I can feel low in confidence, but normally for me that's because I'm in an environment that I don't really know what I'm doing or I'm, I yep. feel out of my depth. And, okay, so how do I get the skills that I need in that situation? But on the flip side, actually, I could have all the skills, but I just feel underconfident. So do I have people around me that are speaking truth over me? Am I reading scripture every day to yeah. make sure that my identity in God and I know what I've been asked and called to do, yeah, do can I speak that over myself enough to say do you know what I'm going to step into this calling with confidence mm. and but sometimes that battle can't be won on our own yeah that's great I love that I don't have anything else to add that's good <laughs> right next question any tips for working with dominating males who can sometimes make you feel small and inferior I think I sort of even touching on earlier saying working in a male-dominated workplace, yeah, I think the main thing for me would be to just remove the gender out of that question in a way. I think dominating culture itself is unhealthy across the board and I think men and women both can display dominating mm -hmm. um, behaviour to other staff whether or not it's staff that essentially are below or above them. And I think that it's not, um, it's not acceptable behavior across the board. So I think if you're experiencing a dominating male, it would just be just as inappropriate as a dominating female. And you would deal with that 
you know, probably in the same way. There, you, there would usually be in a workplace a code of conduct or an acceptable way of speaking to mm. the people that you work with and there would be sort of HR or some sort of an approach that can be taken. And I think, too, it's just remembering not to copy that behaviour ourselves, that we're actually responsible for how we conduct our own behaviour and that it should be above reproach. And um, if we're not displaying, you know, the fruits of the spirit in the workplace and keeping being patient and sort of um, reciprocating maybe even poor behaviour with positive behaviour, then, you know, then there's something, some work that can still be done in that Yeah, and there's, there's something in our flesh that rises up against that mm. in the injustice of it and um, sometimes it's, some, it feels like it's easier to um, just recreate that behaviour. I'm going to I'm gonna just retaliate. Yes. And um, in my experience, I feel like um, the more you can come from a place of allowing the fruits of your spirit to dominate your behaviour, while it might look like in the short term there are things happening that are, be, are kind of overpowering you or actually over the long term it it doesn't work to mm. um, be domineering and overpowering and and therefore in the end I think if you can be faithful um, with your own integrity, it will come through in the end. Yeah, yeah. And those fruits of the spirit aren't the same as just being a pushover either. Nope. So um, we're not sort of saying shrink back into the background and... Um, you know, just no, think about who you need happen. to talk to. Yeah. And um, you do have in a workplace, thankfully, laws as well as just yeah. code of conduct. And you actually talk to HR, talk to the people about um, how that person has made you feel and see who can help you in that situation. Again, you shouldn't feel alone. Yeah. And if, and if it's something that probably you can't take to HR because you've suddenly realised maybe some of the comments might be valid though inappropriately expressed then I mean maybe just take on some of that as not the greatest delivery but as something that you can work on yeah, and constructive feedback yeah mm. yeah how do you balance leading other women and the funny dynamics that can come up there with competition and comparison yeah, so again, I think probably some of my own experience has been that um, in particular, um, yeah, some of the female relation relationships that I can think back to over my whole working life have been some of the most challenging. For whatever reason, there is something uh, maybe more competitive about those types of relationships and especially if there is a power dynamic at play that isn't helpful. And I think one, recognising that that can sometimes be, be difficult. Again, I would recommend um, finding someone else that you can talk to because mm. often when there is that kind of relationship, often it is a two-way street and yeah. it's very difficult to be in a um, any kind of, especially work context where it feels like there is a female-to-female -female kind of competitive weird dynamic going on actually having a sounding board to say this ha this conversation happened and they, they said this and I said this and kind of how ca can you help me navigate this so that I'm saying things that are helpful mm. and also um, I recognize in myself I'm super competitive I have just a really competitive nature um, which can be really ungodly at times and so um, again having someone in our life that's willing to call that out yeah. it's easy to see the faults in other people and sometimes mm -hmm. it's 
much harder to self-assess and say, do you know what, maybe some of those weird dynamics have got something to do with me. Yeah. Um, And what could I do to diffuse the situation? And often grace, love, generosity diffuses a huge amount. Yes. And so one of, I think, one of the worst things that we can do when faced with a competitive spirit is kind of join it with a competitive spirit. Yeah. Um, and so how do we how do we diffuse that situation? How do we love over it? How do we provide grace? How do we um, act in a way that diffuses that rather than escalates it? Yeah, yeah. I think um, sounds like such a Sunday school answer, but I remember one time having a conflict, a bit of a competition with another female and my mum just reminding me, why don't you pray for success for them in those areas? And it actually changed my heart towards them wanting to lift them up and actually instead of taking the fact that, you know, every any of their success meant something less for me when mm. that wasn't actually the case. It's mm. sort of a lie I'd built up in my head. So That's good. even just rem- remembering to take that to prayer, you might not feel it the first couple of times, but it actually can just really change your heart posture towards mm. That's great somebody advice. that you're struggling with. Yeah. yeah. How do you tackle being assertive and dignified in the workplace? This one sort of finishes off the the question with when the outer voices are saying um, different for being a woman. But, um, yeah, how would you tackle being assertive and dignified? Yeah, well, I think that um, you probably touched on, on this a little bit earlier in terms of the fruits of the spirit and maybe we have a perception um, that women in particular should be a certain way and that can sometimes be really unhelpful to our mindset and it can be unhelpful to our ability to lead effectively if we're talking about leadership. Mm. Um, I think actually to be a good leader um, it does require being assertive, it does require to make good decisions, Mm. it does require us to be able to bring challenge when it's necessary, it does require us to share our own opinions and our point of view and all of those things actually require a skill in itself to be able to do that in a way that um, dignifies the people around you and I think dealing again with maybe if you've got inner voices um, telling you that um, you know kind of you can't say that and having coaching and people around you that are maybe you see as being really good at that could help you yeah um but just your friends not just your friends Mm -hmm. people that um yeah again you said this earlier people that are kind of one two three steps ahead of where you kind of see yourself and to be to be helpful with that um but yeah if you've got other unhelpful voices within the workplace as well I think that um yeah just making sure that actually when you are giving feedback or being assertive that you're not apologetic for that um in my experience people want feedback Mm. they like um knowing that they're going to get both encouragement and critical feedback from me it means that actually one of the things I feel like I've learned over the last five years is that when I give challenge when it's necessary and praise when it's deserved both are given they trust that that is true and it's always good actually it's like well is it all I I know myself I'm not always good so I think that the encouragement means more when you also give challenge Um, and yeah I think we just need to consider how we give that and are we doing that in a way that um, dignifies the other person? Because I think if we can do that, then that gives us dignity. Mm, I love that. I love that sort of balanced approach of, of praise and challenge because I think 
probably we can tend to lean towards one of those things maybe more than the other. So um, it's good to sort of think of giving that a balanced approach because I think it gives more weight to eat whenever to you both. make any comment, mm. um, good or bad. Yeah. yeah, I certainly think if my staff were here, they'd say that they trust my <laughs> feedback. Yeah. They know that if they've done a good job, they're going to be told. And if actually there was something they could have done better, then I'll also tell them. Mm. And then they, they start to try, really trust that, which is helpful, I think. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Well, I think that's we've covered them all. We've done that. Great. So that's fantastic. So I think um, we could probably give it a wrap. Thanks so much for coming, Rosie. No problem. Thanks um, for having me. And chatting. I, I know that um, this will be well received and, and loved. And if anybody has any questions or um, would like further thoughts or clarification or if you'd like to know some texts or um, authors or you know places to go to find some commentary on any of these things you can chat to Rosie or myself yeah. or Mel More or Sue I know we'd be happy to continue a conversation um, or yeah you can just get in contact and we are would be more than happy to point you in the the direction of some of those resources that we that we know of so thanks again for listening and uh, looking forward to sort of hearing your feedback and thoughts on it see you later Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope this has been eye-opening, challenging, and if you disagree with anything we've said, that you're looking to scripture as you prepare your rebuttal. We would love to hear from you if there's anything you interpret differently, feel we've left anything unaddressed, or if you just want to hear more about what we were talking about today. Please share the episode if you found it interesting and subscribe to get notified when new episodes are published. And for more information about the podcast or Granary Young Adults, connect with us on socials at Granary Young Adults.